Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I have a powerhouse. Not just a powerhouse, someone that is going out into the world and healing people, both physically and emotionally. Doc Jen Esker, or Dr. Jen Esker, as we call her, and Thank you so much for joining the Golden Rule Revolution. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Glad to be here. So first of all, like I just uh, said before we started, it's an honor to have you on. And you, yeah. you're just, there's a, there's a lot of inspiring people. And then there's inspiring people that you know are emotionally connected to what they're doing and what they're saying. And I think you stand out so so clearly as someone that's not just out doing the physical work and helping people, but also the, the emotional work and helping people. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So tell me where, where did you grow up and how did you get into what you're doing now? Well, I grew up in Southern California, not LA. I actually call it like the Midwest of LA (laughs) because it's very homey. It's, um, very suburban. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up in the Inland Empire for any IE people out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I grew up as a gymnast. Uh, mm. Part of our requirements as I was growing up is that you were to be in a sport. And I tried everything under the sun. <laughs> uh, hated soccer, was not great at softball, thought the girls in dance were mean. And so I stuck with gymnastics. <laughs> Awesome. And that was my sport for nine years. Um, I quit when I was about 16 and just always loved movement. Hmm. It was like I quit, but then it was like, okay, now what? And I started kind of dabbling in the gym with my mom and I was still coaching gymnastics. And then I stumbled upon Pilates and fell in love with that. And it was just this continual like love for movement and learning about movement and like, why am I taping an ankle for gymnastics? And why am I modifying movement for Pilates? And it was this like hunger to learn why and learn more, which led Mm. me down kinesiology and ultimately physical therapy. Gymnastics is, it's not just the physical, but there's a lot of overcoming fear in gymnastics, like trying those stunts for the very first time or any movement has that stuck with you? I mean, or how did you overcome the fear of being in gymnastics and trying things out at a young age? You know, there's two different young ages. I think there's like the young age where it's like no fear at all. And they don't even have, have never experienced it. Like, and I coached a lot of gymnasts like that where it was just, they had no fear and they were just like, let's try it and let's do it. And then there's, I feel like I got into gymnastics later. I was like eight or nine when I really started competing. And so I kind of had that fear still. And it was actually going through undergrad and like learning sports psychology that I was like, oh gosh, dang. Like if I would have had this back when I was like 13, 14, 15, 16, I feel like a lot of things would have been different for me in terms of being able to handle that, that fear. And that comes along with a lot of gymnastics moves. I mean, your coaches are the best thing to coach you through a lot of that, but it 
it was definitely very apparent. But the lessons I definitely took on from gymnastics was hard work and not hard work when someone's watching, like the hard work you're doing behind the scenes because your coach isn't there counting every rep. He's not there, you know, making sure you're doing all the conditioning. You're having to have integrity with that. I did three sets of 10 Mm. and now I'm moving on. And you can kind of see the gymnasts who would cheat through conditioning and, and sometimes they got lucky in competition, but a lot of times it played out the way, like if you cheated practice, you probably cheated your way into everything else and it shows Mm. up. Mm. And so I really, I think I kind of learned a lot of integrity, um, in gymnastics, a lot of hard work, commitment, um, not knowing what the outcome would be and just working hard anyways. (laughs) And like, 100% consistency and dedication because that's what it is time and time again. It's just showing up, being consistent and seeing how that pays off. Was sports um, something that you were naturally drawn to growing up or was that something that your parents wanted you to try and you ended up just landing in gymnastics? Like how did you get down to the sports path? We were required to be in a sport growing up. And so that's why I did try a lot of different ones. (laughs) Um, But also, we also, I like just had a naturally very active family, which I'm very fortunate for. We had a boat growing up. So we would go wakeboarding uh, during the during the summer. And then we'd take trips to the mountains during the winter and go snowboarding and skiing. So I naturally just grew up around a very active family and it was a lifestyle. It wasn't a have to, it was a get to. Hmm. And, um, especially for like, once I found my sport and like same with my brothers and sisters, it's like, you found love. I found love with gymnastics. Hmm. So it was also, they were able to then dangle it in front of my face and say, well, this is going to be taken away if your grades don't maintain. And then I'm like, (laughs) Oh my God. So then I learned how to work really hard in school so that I could still be a gymnast. And it's just like all these lessons kind of playing together that really have formed me into the life that I have in terms of hard work and taking chances and being committed and being consistent without even realizing it. You know, like I didn't intend to grow social media. I didn't intend to be an entrepreneur. That's Mm. happened just because of these lessons that have just kind of been ingrained in me. Mm, Beautiful. Did you grow up um, in an entrepreneurial family or a family that was, no. So it's just, (laughs) here you are rocking it and you're you're a trailblazer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my family, I definitely learned hard work and commitment and that was modeled to me for sure. But I was also, you know, when I decided to quit my job and, and was going to, just treat clients on my own. My mom's like, oh, what about the 401k? And what about, you know, I mean, the fear aspect of not having that security every paycheck time after time, when really, does anyone have security nowadays? I mean, you can get dropped out of any job. Things ebb and shift with the economy and and society and how we're even marketing these days and doing everything. So in reality, there's not that much security, even if you do have a nine to five job. That's right. So you really became clear with yourself on those, the integrity and it was you with you and you knew what you were putting in in gymnastics for the performing or when it was time to compete. How did then that translate into 
your education and going down to getting your doctorate? Um, you know, I, again, it was just the fascination with the body. So I knew that I wanted to study human movement because I loved anatomy. I loved working with gymnasts and teaching Pilates. So I went down the kinesiology route because it's literally the study of human movement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and from there, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be a physical therapist. So I started interning in different places and kind of seeing what I would like, which is what I tell a lot of people who are like, I think I want to be a physical therapist. And I'm like, cool, go out and be an aide. See if you like it. Ask questions. Like, be in the environment that you think you want to be in for the next 20 to 30 years and see if you like it. Um, and I think that's so important. So I did, I was an aide for about three and a half years before I got into physical therapy school. And I loved watching how a physical therapist would watch movement or feel movement. And I'm always like, what are they feeling? And what are they watching? And it was just like so exciting to me. So I committed that I was going to be a physical therapist. And by now the laws have changed and you have to be, you have to get your doctorate and it's a lot of money and loans and everything. But I also just knew like, well, this is what I want to do. No matter how much money it is, like loans, it just, it, it comes with it. I'll pay it off, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't anything I let hold me back due to the like, I think we let ourselves get held back due to the weight of thinking of all these negative things where it's really like, well, that's just part of the process. Hmm. Going through school, getting my doctorate, it's part of the process if I want to be a physical therapist. So that's just what I'm going to do. And luckily I got in, you know, my first time around where I've had friends who applied two to three times. And I also say, that's okay. Again, if you're committed, you're going to get in when you get in. Right. And you just keep, okay, reevaluate. What classes do I need to retake? Do I need to retake the GRE or whatever it may be? And so I, I'm fortunate I got in. But even then it was like when I wanted to do my clinicals, um, I wanted to kind of explore. I've been in Southern California my whole life. So I did a clinical in New York City, but my school didn't have a contract for New York City at the time. And it, one of the most frustrating things is having to sit back and not being able to just like do it myself and get the contract signed. I'd be like communicating with the school, like, did you do it yet? Has, has, it, has it come in? Did you guys get, sign the thing? <laughs> like always just having to wait like on other people to make it happen, but it happened. Yeah. And I think like just having that mindset as well of like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it no matter what it takes mm. and just being committed. And I have to say, like, I, I got a lot of that through gymnastics is like, if this is a skill you want to get, you will get it. You just have to be committed and consistent and show up time and time again. Mm. And so there's so many lessons that I feel like have really been integrated into my life, not only from a movement standpoint, but really from just like a life lesson standpoint from what I took away from gymnastics. Mm, that's beautiful. Was there a point when you were doing your observing of those three years where you saw someone change, not just physically and heal physically, but emotionally tied to their change as well. Was there anything that the light bulb went off and like, okay, this is, this is more than just moving the body. You know, I think especially then for me, it was a lot about moving the body. Mm -hmm. Um, what I saw is like, okay, environments I didn't want to work in. Like I knew, where I was an aide, it was so high turnover rate. Like it was patient after patient after patient for the therapists. And 
it was fun for me as an aide because I got to do all the exercise. I got to do a lot of treatments. I got to do like, I got to write in charts, things that probably aren't allowed. <laughs> um, but, but I got to do a lot as an aide because it was such high turnover. But I knew that is not the environment I want to work on. Mm-hmm. as a therapist because they didn't have that much one-on-one time. They didn't have as much time to really get to know a person. And it was once I started working with people that I realized you have to get to know people. Mm-hmm. You have to know their stories. You have to lead with compassion and get them to feel safe in the environment with you as well to feel like there is even a chance of healing. There's a chance of overcoming this injury and pain. If they don't feel that from you as a therapist, there's pr- they're probably not going to get better. Hmm. So it was a lot of like learning, I would say, after physical therapy school. And what I saw in physical therapy school were, you know, clients with cerebral palsy where this one guy, I'll never forget him. He's amazing. And he would he lived in a wheelchair and he lived completely on his own. He was like 35 Mm -hmm. and watching him get down from his wheelchair and put on his shoes and his shirt. It took like 20 minutes and you want to help him so bad. You're like, Oh, I can just do it for you. But he's like, no, like this is me. I got it. And he did it all on his own. And, and then he pulls himself back into his wheelchair. He can't talk because the motor function around his mouth doesn't work very well. He's very intelligent. So, um, he has learned how to like use the phone, get transportation as needed and do everything around his house on his own. Mm. And when he got too big to pull himself back into his wheelchair and he started gaining weight, he started swimming so that he could lose weight. Mm. So like, here's this guy where we would typically put limitations. Like he's got to live with someone, can't live on his own. And we immediately put these limitations on other people based on external things that we see. When really he's like, no, I, this is what I have. Great. Let me take what I have Mm. and actually use it to its full capacity. Where what I saw even as an aide is like someone who's like, well, I get knee pain after I run for five miles. And I'm like, yeah, but look at all the other things that you can do. (laughs) Like this is nothing. (laughs) So it's really, it's taking back appreciation for what we're capable of doing, no matter what diseases, like external things or, or aesthetically anything looks like, but it's really taking back appreciation before the injury happens before the pain happens and and being able to be compassionate and utilize everything that you have right now mm. so that you can grow and learn other things and do and move in other ways and whatever it may be you have become you said it's the coaches and gymnastics for those young young gymnasts to help them get those exercises or stunts or whatever they are. And now you are doing that for people. So what was once done for you in those earlier years, now you're helping people in in life. That's a, that's a pretty cool full full circle. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about your, what are you doing right now as far as your business? Because I, we will put your show or in the show notes, we'll put your website and all these Mm -hmm. things, but really you are growing your presence and it's all about healing the body right and moving and getting back to i mean explain what what your business is right now yeah i mean 
it's kind of grown naturally and I've just led in through how can I help people more? Hmm. How can I provide more value? Um, as social media continued to grow, I started to educate once I became a doctor of physical therapy and that was awesome. But then it was like, okay, how can I help people more than a one minute video <laughs> that they yeah. may or may not see because algorithms are all over the place. <laughs> right. So that's when I decided to create online programs and I created one called the mobility method, which was my first program I ever put out. And it was something that was really, I was, I'm so passionate about because it's the way that I believe. Mm. And I couldn't put out, you know, this 12 steps to increasing mobility or the back pain program or, you know, anything like that, because I don't believe that our body works as, as like one thing for one person. Mm. I think it's unique based on every single different individual and it should be treated that way. Yeah. You know, we have different life experiences. We might stand on the right leg more than the right left leg. We might do different hobbies and activities. Someone might have a desk job while someone's more physical. So injuries and pain incidences will come about in different ways. And so treating everyone as if they're the same person, that's crazy. Mm. Or treating every injury as if it's the same, it's insane. Mm. And, and to get people to realize that, is a little challenging sometimes, but it's my goal. It's my mission. And so within the mobility method, you're able to self-assess yourself and determine your own plan based on um, all the restrictions and everything that's needed within your body. All the tools are there. You just get to create what is needed for your own individual body. And, and it's, it's there because I want people to be able to take it into their own hands. And understand that no one else fixes you. There's no massage technique that's going to fix you. It can temporarily make things feel better. There's no drill or tool or electrical stimulation or anything that fixes you. You fix you. Everything else can cover symptoms. And, and, and honestly, I'm not going to like put any of that down. Decreasing the rate of, of symptoms and getting your body out of inflammation, highly important. So all of those things have their place. But in the long run, if we want to address what's actually happening and make sure that this problem doesn't come back, we have to find out why that's happening in the first place. And where you're feeling the pain is not necessarily the problem. Hmm. And, <laughs> and why is that? Or how does that work? And I guess most people, I mean, I would assume, mm -hmm. oh, my neck hurts because there's something wrong with my neck. And right. Wh why? Break that down for me because that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, we can look at a very basic kind of joint by joint assessment um, where we can look at what's happening, you know, where one place needs a little bit more mobility, one place needs a little bit more stability. Now, don't get me wrong, throughout the entire body, we want mobility and stability. We want both the ability to move and the ability to be strong. But if we look at a very basic, just joint by joint motion, it goes, the neck should be more stable, upper back and, and shoulders should be more mobile, low back should be more stable, hips more mobile, knees stable, ankles mobile, feet stable, big toe mobile. So it, when we break it down like this, we see the areas that people mostly complain of pain are actually the areas that are more labeled as stable. 
the neck, the low back, the knees, and the feet. But why would we only be looking at those things? What if we looked at the areas above and below and said, oh, there's actually not enough mobility in those areas and it's causing pain in a different area? Hmm. I mean, this is only one example. There's so many other things that could be causing pain, but yeah. that's why if you just look at the low back, we're missing uh, what's happening above. Is there not enough mobility in the upper back or below? Is there not enough mobility in the low back? I mean, in the hips. Hmm. And we can even go further down. Is there not enough mobility in the ankles? Is there not enough mobility in the big toe? Because all of that plays a role hmm. and your whole body works as one. We're all connected. Hmm. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's really cool. Um, so as you're working with people and you're helping them become strong and mobile, I also know that you are a coach with emotional intelligence training and, and on that side. And how, how does your approach to just an individual work with bringing body in and I don't know, you call it soul or whatever, however you approach a person, how does the whole package work together? Or how do you approach that? Everything works together as one. Hmm. Um, even when I have physical therapy clients, a lot of times I'm rewriting stories about pain. Hmm. When, when someone thinks of pain, uh, just, you know, write out, typically it's bad. We want to run from pain. We want to hide from pain or we want to mask pain. Think of all the commercials that we have out there. Every drug, every back pain relief, every, everything we have is meant to mask a symptom hmm. because pain is seen as bad. And so if I have something, I cover it up with a Band-Aid. But that Band-Aid doesn't necessarily mean that it's healing something that's happening underneath. So how do we actually heal the problem? And, and we also get to understand that pain isn't bad. And that's one of the main things that I'm driving people to understand because when we have this experience of pain, I mean, a really good way for me to like kind of give an example is a back spasm. When someone's back gets into spasm, we tense up and we think, oh my God, this is really bad. Oh my gosh, why, am I, why, is, why does it feel like my back went out? I can't move. I can't do this. And we get into this panic mode. Hmm. All of a sudden, we're driving into that sympathetic, that, that fight and, and flight reflex of, of this high stimulation. When we're in that state, we're also driving cortisol levels way up and our stress and our adrenaline is on overload. We're not going to be able to move well, let alone our body goes on guard. It says, oh no, something's happening. It's the same thing if like you get someone scares you and you like take a big gasp in and everything gets tense, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that same feeling of like, oh my God, my body needs to go into protective mode. So now not only are you having spasm, but now you're telling your body it's, it, this is bad and it needs to protect it even more. So the spasms are going to be even worse. Mm. And so instead, what if we thought of pain as a good thing? Because it is. If we don't have an experience of pain, if we don't have that signal in our body, way worse things are going to happen down the line. I can yeah. guarantee you that. Yeah. We need to feel what's happening. We need to listen and allow our body to tell us when something is happening. And it's just an alarm system. Mm. And that's, again, why it's not necessarily the problem. It's just 
an alarm to say, hey, something's happening in my body. It might not be this exact area, but something is not moving well around the area that's causing this to flare up. Hmm. And so being able to then come from the perspective of, oh, my body's just talking to me. This isn't bad. Let me take a step back. Let me have compassion for my pain and say, okay, I hear you. I see you. And now where do I get to go? So it's really starting with that compassion in order to then say, okay, now let me increase my awareness, all of my body all around. Where am I neglecting? Where am I not moving into? What am I not, what am I not moving and experiencing enough that I can tap into where this pain is actually coming from? And for some people, it is, emo- it is emotional. It is stress. Yeah. And when I get people to just get back into that parasympathetic rest and relax and cortisol levels come away because when cortisol levels are also really high, we're increasing the sensitivity into our nervous system. We're increasing our sensitivity into our nerves. So if our nerves are heightened, they're going to experience pain on a higher level. Mm-hmm. But if we can turn that signal down and we can tap you into parasympathetic rest, relax, and tap you just into breathing, I've had patients cry on the table because all of a sudden they're like, my pain is gone. Hmm. what just happened and I'm like you just you were breathing (laughs) that's it (laughs) we got you to just tap back into yourself wow and make that okay that is so profoundly powerful (laughs) did I leave you speechless (laughs) yes I mean that pain is good fear keeps us from being healed in so many ways physically Mm -hmm. emotionally Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, that is something that I don't think I, I've, I've never heard anyone ever say pain is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're taught it's bad. We're taught it's and bad. It, and we're it taught drives the circle of, of yeah. really neglect again and again and again. And how fascinating that as we're taught or we think that pain is bad and when we flee from it, we're actually fleeing from our healing. We're fleeing from our ability to move and breathe and live and give more of ourselves. And so it's a really interesting dichotomy. I mean, yes, you left me speechless because I'm, I'm like, that's, a, that's fascinating that our societal norm is to run from that which actually brings the healing. Mm-hmm. Are you – what is – what would you hope if as you're moving forward and progressing and as your business expands and your influence expands and your voice expands, what is your ultimate objective? What are you hoping to accomplish as you speak and work with people every single day? I really want people to be able to take appreciation back for their bodies. Um, Because I, and even though we might be grateful on a very, uh, broad scale, it's really coming back into those little intricacies of, of gratitude and listening and increasing our own awareness and taking responsibility back into our own hands. Because I, and I say this a lot too, in conversation with another person, if I'm choosing to listen to you, I'm saying you're worth listening to. Hmm. Now, how much are we doing that for our own bodies and saying you're worth listening to, to your body? Instead of masking, instead of ignoring, instead of telling someone else to, to fix it and make it better, 
you listen to you because I guarantee you will discover what foods are good for your body too. Like if you eat something and then you're like, oh, it's not sitting well, <laughs> could it have been something you ate? Could it be the time that you eat? Could you be scheduling yourself and telling yourself what foods make you feel better? And not cravings, <laughs> not what cravings make you feel better because those are highly emotional, yeah. but actually what foods sit well with your body? Mm. What, what kind of movements do you feel more energized after you do them? Maybe again in the beginning, it's like, I don't want to go work out, but then after you do it, you're like on this high. So what if you actually were able to get back to that high time and time again? Mm. And it's really when we start to listen to ourselves, there's so much magic that can happen because we are our own healers. We, we know within our bodies, our truth, our intuition, and what we need. And yet we're, we're taught to seek it out from outside validation. Hmm. We're not taught to look within. So my thing is really getting people to listen to their own body and just start to do it on a more continual basis. And I get that we need the tools to help increase that awareness. So if you don't know what to listen to within your body, learn some tools. And that's why I provide tons of tools <laughs> for free on Instagram and, and through my programs. Mobility, strength, core. What is the core? Yeah. You know? So really getting people back into just increasing their awareness of their body is my mission and my goal and telling them there's not a tool. There's not a one thing. There's many tools. There's many tools that can help and make you feel better for a moment. But what is it that you need for you that's actually going to propel your body forward and give you the most growth and capacity because your body is able to grow and expand and challenge itself and and just become this incredible being that we are. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There hurt people. One of the themes of this podcast is hurt people will continually hurt people, but healed people can heal people. And if mm -hmm. someone's hurt, they can't go out and heal another. And if someone's physically hurt, they really can't go out and positively impact people the way they should because they're incapable of healing themselves at first. And it really starts within, but what you're saying is so beautiful. It's the same thing as running away from pain, but also running towards tools without first listening to ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thought. You're, you're really, it's the first time in any episode where I'm lost in thought thinking about it. It's fascinating. <laughs> like, this is really interesting because Typically, we're talk I'm not talking about the body so much as like emotional stuff, but this is so beautiful that you're right. We do know. We know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, powerful. I am so honored to have you on the show. I just want you to know that. And <laughs> Thank you. And docgenfit.com uh, is your website mm -hmm. and your Instagram um, channel and all the content you put out there is amazing and you Thank are you. helping a lot of people which is just that's what's inspiring you are inspiring but also you. you know that's what I, I think i was getting to at the beginning of the episode is there's a lot of people with a lot of metrics around what they do but mm -hmm. i see the emotional connection that you're bringing i see people responding back to you and that is what the authentic power is that you bring to every encounter so that i want to acknowledge you for and and let you know that it's seen and 
it's inspiring to know that you're doing the work and you're blowing my mind. So I mean, <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a win-win for me. <laughs> great. Um, so where, I know I just gave the website, but where can people find you and, um, and get in on the mobility method? <laughs> yeah. Um, at docgenfit.com, I have both my programs. And, and if you don't, like the mobility method, you really have to be willing to self-assess and take time for that. And I get that it's not always fun to do. So I also have the optimal body where you just get continual content month after month, which is um, based on mobility, strength, and functional strength. Like what does that actually mean to move into every area of your body functionally? And, um, and core strength. So there's it's meant for every single level. There's levels one through four for every core. There's levels, different levels for the HIIT workouts, and I give modifications and progressions throughout. But it's really my way of, of saying, listen, like if you just start to pay attention to your body on a daily basis and just move in some kind of fashion, your body is going to thank you and you're going to learn along the process because we can't learn unless we move into it. And so you have to take the time to at least start moving into areas you're not used to moving into just to start to increase that awareness and see, oh, I didn't know my body was restricted there, or I didn't know I didn't have as much strength in that area, so that you can then come back to it and practice it over and over and over again. And so the optimal body is really my way of giving you the tools to optimize your body to have mobility and strength and, and stability and awareness and not have so much pain. I mean, I just went to a physical therapy course um, this last weekend and there was actually a couple therapists who were in my program and that made me so happy. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. And someone who said, you know, my hip mobility has increased because of you, which is like, it's not because of me. It's because you did the work actually has nothing. I mean, I just gave you tools but the fact that you took that and you integrated that into your life, that is all you, which is amazing. Beautiful. And if you are going to leave someone with one tip, maybe they have not moved. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe they're in pain right now. Mm -hmm. What's the last, what's one thing you want to share? Breathe. Take some moments and whether that's laying down on your back or whatever it may be, to place your hands on your low rib cage. So not, not even the, the chest and the belly because we don't want to focus on forcing the belly out. There's no force in breathing. It should be natural. But if you feel your hands on your low rib cage and you can actually feel it start to expand and relax, we get back into that parasympathetic where we're able to listen to our bodies. And then just listen and see. Like maybe your body wants to move a little bit. Maybe you want to go on a walk. And be okay with wherever it is that your body wants to be. Know that it is safe to move however it is that you want to move and do whatever it is that you need to do for your body. Because that could be emotional pain, that could be physical pain, or just not wanting to move, and it's okay. And know that it is okay. It is okay. It is okay. And that's the one thing I want people to understand about them and where they're at. Well, it has been such a pleasure having Doc Jen Fit on the show today, Dr. Jen Esker. Check her out at docgenfit.com. 
And as always, go out into the world and continually treat people like people. We can heal the world one person at a time as we become healed and we can go out and heal another. As always, thank you for listening to the show. I'm Lucas Mack, and I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode.